I think that's the main thing that we as human beings who do this type of negative talk or, you know, imposter syndrome type of behavior really need to focus on the most is the way that we treat ourselves Mm -hmm. and the way that we cope with when we're thinking this way, you know, and how fast we come back from it. Welcome to the Seeds of Growth podcast. My name is Pumahana Palmer. I'm a mindset and growth coach to new real estate agents, small business owners, and high-achieving female entrepreneurs. I believe that true success happens from the inside out, and I'm on a mission to plant seeds of growth and transformation, one powerful conversation at a time. Each week, I'll bring you a solo episode, interview, or coaching experience with business owners just like you to help you shift your perspective, elevate your beliefs, and build a business that inspires you. Now let's dive into today's episode. What's up, friends? Welcome to part two of my conversation with Juliette Laluel on imposter syndrome. Now, if you haven't listened to part one, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that conversation. It is jam-packed with so many nuggets and truth bombs, and we just get really authentic and real about our experience as entrepreneurs. And in this part, in part two, we are going to dive a little bit deeper in some tactical ways and action items that you can do to really move through it. I hope this episode serves you. Be sure to connect with the both of us on Instagram. You can find me at at Pumehana Palmer and Juliet will be at Juliet Laluel and at Heavy Realty. With that, I hope you enjoy part two of our conversation. Whenever I think about meditation and thoughts like that that come in that you bring in then to your daily practice when you're out and about in the field, whatever the field is, right? I always imagine in meditation when I'm doing guided meditation because I have ADD and I can't meditate on my own. So guided. But, you know, you're sitting and you're looking at a river, right? And you're looking at things go down the river. You're observing them. You're watching them go. But then they go away, right? And it's just part of that process of just like observing it, looking at it, and then letting it pass. Because I think that's how we as human beings kind of cope with any of these things. Because it's impossible to stop this type of talk in some way or form about whatever it is, right? Some type of negativity about yourself or about others. I mean, negative things are going to come through your brain because that's just how we're wired. We're human beings. Something's going to come up, right? Like maybe there's a, you know, really brutal level on how people might be talking to themselves or whatever, or there's certainly ways that I know you and I do that are probably very unhealthy. What matters is understanding that they might never completely go away, but how do we cope with them? And just getting really good at the coping mechanisms, because that also falls in line with, say, childhood traumas or whatever things that are going to come up. How do you cope with those things? Because some stuff, some of these reactionary things are never going to go away. So how do we quickly come out of it and transform and do exactly kind of what you did, which is stop and reconfigure and recalibrate and see, is that real? Does that belong here? No, it doesn't. It's just something I think about. And so, you know, it's just this old thing that comes through, but not dismiss it, acknowledge it and then break it down. And then it's digestible. And then you're able to kind of move forward with what's really there, right? Not instead of just like chewing on that negative thing or the way that you're talking about yourself and just festering on that. You know, I think that's the main thing that we as human beings who do this type of negative talk or, you know, imposter syndrome type of behavior really need to focus on the most is the way that we treat ourselves Mm -hmm. and the way that we cope with when we're thinking this way, you know, and how fast we come back from it. A thousand percent. Yes. So on that note of coping, 
what are some of the coping mechanisms that you employ in order to in order to one, move through it, and two, when you have the time to, because sometimes we don't have the time mm-hmm. to really sit with it. I mean, sure, we'll make time sure, for sure. it. Yeah. But what's the immediate action? And then like, what kinds of things you sure. do? So immediate action, because I've been, you know, now in practice of trying to make sure I don't go down these pathways, even though definitely happens nearly every day, is do that self-awareness check kind of right away. Like you question, questioning everything's always good and questioning any type of thought like that. Is this real? Am I being rational? Where's this thought coming from? And getting that question out to answer that negative statement as fast as possible. So being aware when those things are coming through, that's the flag. Mm-hmm. That's the first flag. It used to not be, you know, it used to be like way down the line when I was yeah. marrying myself in this whole thing, right? But now it's become something I practice a lot more out of necessity almost. Right. I get a flag raised in my mind when I'm like talking badly about myself to myself and I question it. Is mm-hmm. this real? Am I being realistic? Mm-hmm. The answer is usually no. <laughs> or if it's deserved, why? And I break that down and try to learn from that then. Um, But usually it's no, I'm being ridiculous in some way. And, you know, when you ask about like, how have I either learned that or, you know, what are ways that a longer form ways that I've been dealing with this type of thing? For sure, therapy. Yes. Having a therapist and speaking to one um, has been always so essential for me. I think it's essential for everybody. I think that, you know, there should be no stigma around speaking to a therapist whatsoever because we can't all talk to our friends, you nope. know, and nor do we want to. You shouldn't confide in people about some of your personal stuff at all. It should be led to a professional to help you break those trained. things down. Yes. I was trained and I mean, you don't want everybody to know all of your stuff. <laughs> like, you know, we're not all perfect. That's my opinion. So talking to a therapist for one, but then like also just talking to and trusting other people that are close to you. Specific people who specific know. people yeah that you trust and you trust their opinion. And, you know, you might have a very limited circle. I think I have like three people that I trust that I could bring to like an irrational thought. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, oh, this one thing about myself. You know, and they, they'll be that voice to be like, no, you're being ridiculous. That's not it. And they'll lay out, you know, the laundry list of, you know, things that I've done well and try to you know, talk me up and, you know, having like a cheerleader, Absolutely. having those good connections and a good little group doesn't have to be big, but having just enough people that you can rely on. But, you know, the professional version of that and then the intimate version of that, I think are essential for, you know, people like myself or like you that are going through these types of things. Yeah, I love that. It's so important. Yes, we are. We are a species of community. And I think we also learned from the pandemic that, you know, when we are confined to just our homes and the voices in our head without any type of, you know, outlet, it doesn't always lead to the best place. I do want to speak to something because going back to the river that you had mentioned, that's lovely and beautiful. And I think that's so important. I know for me, my mind is like a highway with cars. Like I'm standing on the side of the road and all there's like cars just zooming past and going 85 on the highway. And each of those cars is a thought. And I have the tendency to jump into every single Mm. car or, you know, whatever car just goes past. And then I follow it down until I jump out, you know, still going 85 miles an hour home exactly (laughs) and you jump to another car or or whatnot but for us to be able to you know kind of pause 
or even follow that thought down the highway and, and realize like, oh, I'm in this car. Again, with the awareness and the separation, you can get out. You absolutely can get out. I think that is, that's huge. And that really, really helps me. I know that I love and subscribe to this idea of change is when awareness meets reflection, meets mm. action. And transformation is when it happens over and over and over again. First and foremost is, is that awareness. And like we talked about, just being able to notice that. And in the beginning, like we don't need to change right away, mm -hmm. right? It's just, huh? Yep. Oh, that's something that I just said about that's something shitty that I just said about myself. Mm -hmm. And again, the being able to notice that and recognize that almost like a friend, right? Like just like, oh, hey, you're back. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's one more thing that I did want to want to note um, as you were talking about the negative self-talk and talking to friends and talking it out. Something that came to mind is having compelling goals. Mm -hmm. Having these goals, one, that push your boundaries, mm -hmm. which, which is amazing because when you're pushing your boundaries, that's where it comes from. Yeah. When you're, you know, stretching, you're reaching towards these horizons that you've never experienced before. That's when the, the negative self-talk is going to come in and you can say like, Hey, I'm doing something new. I'm doing something crazy. I'm doing something that I want and desire and I'm, I'm doing the work. And two, that compelling goal will also provide the narrative of you don't have time for this shit. <laughs> like this narrative is not serving you. It's not serving your goal. It's not serving the people that you are serving as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the interesting thing and the awesome thing is that you and I are leaders in our own respect. And we're also leaders of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So as we lead ourselves and as we lead others, for us to be able to say like, hey, me talking down upon myself is not serving the people who are following me. Mm -hmm. So go away. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I actually also have an imposter syndrome playlist on Spotify. Really? And it is cover bands. Basically, it's cover bands. Wow. And like some of them are just like nobodies that you've heard of, right? Mm -hmm. Who are singing these songs that you know. And I had to ask myself, like, does the fact that they are singing a song that have has been written by someone else and has been sung by someone else. Does that diminish the beauty of their own voice or their talent mm -hmm. or their skill or the journey that has brought them up to this point in order to sing this song so right. beautifully? It doesn't. No, that's a huge, that's a great point. Cause I can think of so many like renditions of songs that have been like phenomenal by like people who like didn't write the original, right? The original is still banging. But like the other one is like awesome. It's mm -hmm. super awesome. And they did it in their own way and they did it in their own styling. So, yeah, that that actually makes a lot of sense. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that when I was going, when I was creating that playlist, I can't remember the, the song, but Beyonce okay. remade another song or she added her own, mm -hmm. you know, thing and her own voice and her own recreation. And it's like if Beyonce can create these new songs and do covers of of other songs then so can i yeah 
if someone else has, you know, built a coaching company or has, I don't know, built a crazy, awesome, you know, real estate career, that doesn't take away from the fact that I can do that too. Right. Right. No. I mean, that's a good point. I think the biggest reminder that, you know, most of us need to have is, well, first of all, we're all on our own path, right? Comparison is really awful and is the thief of joy. And, you know, comparing ourselves from either even our past self and not loving ourselves at present, no matter what the present is, you know, is really a big problem. So being more aware on how we're treating ourselves is really going to be the most important thing for our success and for our clients, you know, because I do think that being a good leader, the best leaders are constantly looking at how they could be better, how they could lead better. What are they doing? Because I mean, some of the worst leaders are the ones who are leading and they're leading people that are extremely unhappy and they're not looking at anything around. They don't want to change any single bit about what they're doing, right? The best leaders are the ones that are constantly analyzing, you know, how can I be better? What can I do better for myself and then better for those around me? Yeah, so absolutely. And I think it's an art to be able to constantly assess yourself with the intention of of bettering yourself and knowing that um, you're not a piece of shit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Actually, I watched the apology, Will Smith's apology to Chris Rock, and he said something really, really interesting that stuck out to me. He said that he had taken these past know, three months or so, and he had to process his actions and what he did without feeling like a piece of shit. Mm. And I was like, that's insane. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I know there's probably a thousand different opinions upon that. Yeah. I mean, on that, I think that, you know, that brings up a very valid point of ego and also emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. I mean, being able to remove emotions when they're not helping, because mostly they're not, being able to set those aside and see things as they are and clear the air and really analyze something is incredibly important for everybody to be good at. Now, does it take practice? Does it take self-awareness, which takes practice? Does it, yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of effort, you know, maybe not a ton of effort, but it is something that requires effort of being aware to turn off a lot of those emotions. Say not, you know, viewing yourself as a piece of shit. Okay. So what do you do with that? You turn that off. You see it from a neutral standpoint and learning to see a lot of things from a neutral standpoint. You know, I think that's incredibly important. Yeah. It's really interesting to see and to notice that there was a balance, right? There is one extreme of Yes, I, I did something terrible mm-hmm. uh, and I did something terrible. I'm not a terrible person to not internalize sure, that action. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. But to also on the other side, again, like you said, ego of not like justifying Correct. the not awesome action that you took. Right. So to come to the middle and to find that quote unquote balance. Mm -hmm. I think that that would require ownership of actions and then, you know, doing what you think you can to make something right, whether that's improving yourself because you fucked up in some way. Mm -hmm. So what do you need to learn? And then obviously what maybe apologies, what mess needs to be cleaned up. But, you know, how can then you continue to be better? Because we're imperfect humans and are going to continue to probably, A, think 
some negative stuff about ourselves or others. You know, we're going to fumble from time to time. We're going to make a mistake. And instead of be going down this horrible path, which I'm very familiar of, beating myself up to death about something, you know, removing that, admitting either the mistake or the error, whatever it was that I need to, you know, learn from and then actually learn from it, you know, which is which is a big thing that a lot of people find themselves just in this, you know, never ending wheel on this never ending path, but, but really like learning from it and evolving from it. And then, you know, you're going to eventually get to a place where you will be like where I'm at now, even when I'm getting imposter syndrome, I'm looking back and I'm like, well, I did like do this though. Right. I got better. And I like actually did learn from that mistake. And then that kind of like cures some of that imposter syndrome because it gives me the ability to look back at something almost near tangible that I can say that I've done an accomplishment, something, well, I overcame that and this is how I did that. So I'm actually not that terrible, right? Had I been in the same situation, maybe like had zero growth, I might be marching to a different tune and I might indeed feel like an imposter. But, you know, doing these things in this way and giving myself room to grow and the ability to grow is honestly and actively helping me get over imposter syndrome because every time I have that, I'm able to literally look back and prove myself wrong. Absolutely. And be like, well, no, actually, you're not that bad because you totally like overcame this thing. Remember that thing, you know, and then and then I can be like, oh, yeah, you're right. And that will completely kind of remove those thoughts from that. And I'm able to kind of move forward by accept and accept myself more and more each day. Yeah, absolutely. Immediately, what came to mind as you were saying that was this idea. I can't remember where I heard it from, but it's this idea of a cookie jar in which Throughout the year, you write little pieces of paper and you write down and almost document events in your life that you were like a champion, basically. Mm, okay. Like your little cookies are like, I did this today. Mm-hmm. The accomplishments, that's yes. the word. <laughs> the accomplishments of your life, even if it was something as small as I got out of bed today and I didn't want to. I pushed myself to do this. I made this mistake and I corrected it. Or I got this accepted offer or I got on this podcast. And we start and we collect all of those tiny little things in a cookie jar in whatever container that you feel. And when you feel the need, when you're feeling some type of way, you pick out these little cookies and you read it and you remind yourself that you're the shit. I'm the shit because we all have those days, you know, and like it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. It's a practice. Oh, totally. It's a practice that will never, never end. And the more that we grow, the more that we build this muscle, the more that we're going to be able to teach these tools of transformation, honestly, yeah. to the people that we lead. Yeah. It's it's a ripple effect, right? Totally. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode served you, please do me a small favor and head to your favorite podcast platform to rate and review the show. Your small act will play an exponential role in getting these powerful conversations out into the world. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at at Palmer and DM me with your insight and takeaways. See you next time. Aloha.